Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash the movie wave. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. In the Steven Spielberg movie E.T., why is the alien brown? No reason. It's time to dive in the dirty waters of film criticism. Tricycle Radio presents The Movie Wave with Sergio Calvo. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of The Movie Wave. Uh, I am Sergio Calvo, motion arts feature editor of Tricycle Magazine. Joining the show today we have our regular guests, film critics George Sully. Hey, hey. And Susanna Marchant. Hi, how are you? Thank you for joining the show. Uh, today we're going to be talking about fantasy horror comedy rubber. But before we get there, we're going to play a clip of a sneezing panda. That now, now what, what have you guys been watching lately? Sorry, what have you guys been watching lately? Um, I haven't really had a lot of time to watch a whole bunch of films. I've only seen two. Um, and the first is uh, the French film uh, Hate or Hatred, the French title being La Haine, um, which is absolutely brilliant. I've seen it a few years ago, but I, I had to watch it again because um, I had it on DVD. And it's just a brilliant black and white film directed by um, Mathieu Kassovitz uh, in 95, I think. Um, and it's just this brilliantly... Um, gritty sort of story of three teenage friends who, um, interestingly, all the actors, um, the characters they play, just their, their first names are the same as the actors' first names. So Vincent Cassel plays a guy called Vince and Hubert Kunde plays a guy called Hubert and uh, a guy called Said. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he plays a character called Said. Um, and they kind of, they form this, this kind of uh, trio of different areas of Um, society. One's just a, a, a Jewish guy, one's black and one's uh, Maghrebian who um, uh, all kind of live in the, the banlieue, the ghetto, I suppose you'd call it, of Paris and just kind of don't really have much to do and they just try and kill time and end up getting involved in this thing involving a gun and then they travel to central Paris and just get up to a bit of no good but it's just it's really well scripted and really well shot and it's got great little um, surreal touches and fantastic scripting and all that jazz so I've very much enjoyed it it's already like a cult classic yeah? La Haine yeah no it is it is a little bit it's one of these stereotypical um, films that people watch at school to get an idea of, of French cinema that along with um, Amélie remember at school where those are the two films that people always watched and wanted to talk about it's funny if you if you watch Amélie you, you, you might notice that Matthew Kasovitz the director of La Haine is in it Oh, really? Yeah, he's, he's the guy uh, the, the guy who's collecting the photographs from the these photo booths Oh yeah, like the, yeah. the the leftovers, the ones that people don't. The, I mean, they don't like and they discard. And uh, he makes a, a full album uh, uh, out of these photographs. And he's, you know, uh, he 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 falls in love with Amelie, and Amelie falls in love with him. 
Yeah, Matthew Kasovitz. Yeah. He has actually made some other films. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, he did Babylon AD. He did Gothica. Um, he did he did quite a lot of things that were very good, and he did a few that were really bad. Um, <laughs> the reason the reason being, I don't know if you've ever seen Taxi. He did quite a I few of those. They're like the, the the French French kind of action comedy, which are really really bad. Uh, but they're kind of like blockbusters in France, and so he does uh, those to get money. Um, and I think why he does that is to work with um, people, young people from uh, poor areas who don't really get a chance to, you know, get proper education or whatever. And he kind of starts up centers for them, and so basically he he does the big films. So that he can do smaller films and also so that he can do some good work, which I find really, really. I like the Crimson Rivers. Really nice. I don't know if you think the Crimson Rivers. No. Uh, no. It's, it's like an action film. It's very much Hollywood like by its friends. Uh, <laughs> and I saw it a long time ago. I think it's like around uh, probably 2000 or maybe before that. Uh, it was a very good action film, but I, I can't tell you much about the plot. Maybe there wasn't much of a plot. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, a quick Google says it came out in 2000. Right. Uh, that was uh, La Hain. Have you seen any yep. other films lately? I saw the uh, the film Brick, which is a fantastic kind of uh, neo-noir um, mystery drama sort of thing with all the trappings of a, of a great hard-boiled detective story, but all kind of transposed into a, a high school setting. Um, and it's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing the, the main guy, and he's trying to solve this mystery concerning his the murder of his ex-girlfriend and something involving involving drugs and um, drug trafficking and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's all it all takes place within a high school, which is which is very interesting, and um, it's very very excellently scripted. All this kind of tight, sharp um, uh, dialogue that that is zipping back and forth between characters, and it makes it just incredibly enthralling to watch. And I saw it a few years ago, but um, it came out, I think, in 2005, 2006, something like that. Um, and uh, I just got it on DVD recently and had to watch it again. Absolutely amazing. I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Brendan? Emily? I really screwed up. Screwed up how? The brick. What? I, I didn't know it was bad, but the pin's on it now. You gotta help me. Slow down now. This isn't good? No. Emily said words I didn't know. Tell me if they catch. Brick? No, tug. Tug might be a drink, like milk and vodka. Pin? You know the kingpin. Dope runner, right? Big time. What are you gonna do? She asked for my help. I just wanna know if she's okay. So what's first? I'm gonna start shaking things up. It's it's an amazing film. Uh, as you said, it's kind of a film noir set up set in a in a high school, and just the visuals yeah. and the. The whole uh, style of the film was absolutely fantastic. I saw another film by this guy. It was called um, The Brothers Bloom. This film's got Adrian Brod in it. Uh, I wasn't that keen on that film, but Brick is definitely a film to watch. Absolutely fantastic. And a quick link to that bizarre film I mentioned last time, Dead Girl. Um, The character who won an award for his performance, Dead Girl, is also in Brick. Um, The character Noah, the actor Noah Segan. I think his name is. Yeah, he's uh, he plays a, a stoner character in um, in Brick, and uh, he's one of the main guys in Dead Girl. Maybe that would make a good double bill, Dead Girl <laughs> and Brick. Maybe I don't think I don't think Dead Girl is quite the same caliber as Brick. I think Brick is much much more uh, much clever, much more clever than uh, than Dead Girl was. 
Well, let's watch them separately then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Susanna, what films have you been watching lately? Um, oh yes, before I say anything, um, I just I just decided to check, and I was wrong. Taxi was written by Luc Besson, um, wow. which doesn't which doesn't make it any better because it's still bad. Um, but uh, Matthew Gassovitz did a few not so it's such enjoyable films but then that was I think for the good purposes so you know I'll, I'll let him get away with that <laughs> let that slide it's, it's good. We, <laughs> yeah. we're giving the right information then it's all good <laughs> <laughs> um, no I haven't really had much time on my hands but I did uh, manage to see um, something that came out uh, a while ago and I never managed to see it at the cinemas it was Monsters by Gareth Edwards absolutely oh. fantastic absolutely fantastic really oh uh, my god i yeah. totally didn't like it at you totally all. didn't like it i think Sergio talk, you talked about that in your um in our first podcast didn't you? i did i did that's a film i loved that's a th- uh, that's the film that made me like excited about films and make me think about maybe you should be making films instead of watching <laughs> them <laughs> Oh my goodness! Look, I, I totally appreciate the fact that they spent only fifteen thousand dollars on it or something, and it had a good premise and it was really nicely shot and it had a good atmosphere and and you know it was well made, but it was bloody boring. And also the romance, the the romance story between the the two characters was totally unbelievable. I totally did not believe that any spark went on between them that was just totally I'm sorry I totally didn't buy it you didn't dig <laughs> it okay <laughs> alright well, I hope you've seen some other films that you enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> I was planning on seeing District you lost. Nine, you lost I... your faith in cinema you said no I'm not watching any more films <laughs> ever <laughs> <laughs> no no I'm sorry I know you just lost your faith in me there because I didn't agree <laughs> with you there <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was planning on seeing District 9, but I never got a chance to. I, I'm planning on seeing it sometime this week. Right. Um, I heard it was very good. It's all well, in I, the alien area. so. <laughs> I, I did like it a lot, but I did like Monsters too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Um, District 9, and uh, that's one that you're going to watch. Uh, I'm going to be short as well, because I have only seen two films. Uh, it's been very sunny lately, so I've been spending a lot of time at outdoors. Uh, one of the films I've seen is Flirting with Disaster. It's a film f- uh, from 1996 uh, by director... It's actually the fourth film directed by David O. Russell. He would later get maybe a higher recognition for films like Three Kings and the recent Oscar-nominated film The Fighter. This is also one of the first films uh, with Ben Stiller on a comedy role. And uh, it, it seems that this is the role that started the idea of Ben Stiller as a <laughs> as a character in films because they, I think yeah. there is the Ben Stiller character now in, in in his films. That's the Ben Stiller that we've seen like in films like there is something about Mary and Meet the Parents uh, among other titles. Uh, in in this case, in flirting with disaster, uh, is the story of a young man uh, played by Ben Stiller, of course, his wife Patricia Kett and an adoption agent Tia Leone, mm-hmm. uh, who travel across the country to find his birth parents. Uh, on the way, uh, they want to meet a lot of very uh, strange characters. <laughs> I, I I think this film was entertaining. Uh, I didn't really 
I wasn't really really impressed by it, uh, considering it was a David Russell film, and I like very much the Three Kings, and uh, I haven't seen the Fighter yet. Yet, but I thought I thought it could be an interesting film. It was entertaining. It, it's it plays well as a goofy comedy of situation. Uh, there are a lot of flaws. Uh, like uh, I think the editing is a bit awkward. Uh, but you know, it's it's a, it's a story. It's a comedy of situation. Uh, the story gets more and more complicated, uh, adding more and more characters to the plot, uh, and uh, the mixing all the characters like uh, in a beef stew. You know, it, <laughs> it's it's got its moments. Uh, I like uh, Alan Alda. Uh, he's playing the hippie drug dealing parent, and I like the dinner. There's a dinner scene where he's jealous. Emo son, spikes Ben Stiller's dish, and yeah. then they switch seats, and there's a police, a gay police officer that takes the seat and takes the takes the drug and uh, goes on a drug uh, trip, and I find it hilarious. That moment is really funny. There are some other funny moments in it. That I'm not gonna tell them all. I don't want to spoil the film. Oh, Paul, is he okay? Oh. Are you okay there, Paul? Oh, is this a musical table? Is this a musical table? Oh, can oh. I get you something? I'm not feeling very well. Here, let me help you. What is it? What are you going through? Do you want to lie down? I don't know. Can I, I get you something, Paul? How do you feel? Vivid. Paul? What? Here. I'm okay. seeing colors that I don't want to see. Did you hear that? Just go with it. That's oh. all you need to lie down. Wait, let me use this. Everything's moving. There's, there's still some witty stuff here. Explore some things like identity, fidelity, the sexual desires and the sexual prejudice as well. But overall, lacks the uh, maybe uh, pretension and the, the, the style. Uh, it, I think it is with Three Kings and I, there's another film called I Heart Huckabees. Oh, I Heart Huckabees is fantastic. Exactly. Uh, a f- film films like this, um, I think that the, these are the films that made David or Russell uh, become an in- interesting filmmaker. Uh, yeah. So, what do you think of I Heart Huckabees? It's a very strange film. Absolutely bizarre, <laughs> but bizarre. just a fantastic, fantastic cast. I thought this is fantastic. I'm very strange dialogues as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's another film. Uh, I think I've seen all the comedies. I've seen Rudo and Cursi, uh, or Rudo y Cursi. Uh, this is uh, a film from 2008. Uh, it is directed by Carlos Cuarón, who is brother of uh, Alfonso Cuarón, the Mexican director. He directed films like Children of Men, Y Tu Mamá También. Oh. Uh, this film is produced by what I would call uh, the Mexican Golden Trio. Alfonso Cuarón, Alejandro González Iñárritu and Guillermo del Toro. They are all producers of, of the film. And the film reunites uh, Diego Luna and Gael García Bernal uh, seven years after the release of Y Tu Mamá También, which is the film that brought them to fame. Yeah? Wow. It's, yeah. it, it's a funny comedy. It's entertaining, but nothing really special. There is good chemistry between the main actors who play uh, half-brothers uh, who will eventually be, in an appropriate way, nicknamed Rudo and Curso. Rudo meaning rough and Curso meaning uh, corny. And they have a, you know, a typical love-hate uh, relationship with each other. Uh, 
they both work on a banana plantation and they play football in their spare time. Well, one day, uh, one of these football talent scout discovers them and recruits them uh, for uh, different teams in uh, in Mexico City, different football teams. Uh, that's when the rivalry starts and uh, where the, the comedy also starts. There are things that we've seen before in all the films where the actors have a quick ascent uh, to fame and success. The pace in the narrative is very fast, uh, so they jump from poverty to success uh, uh, very quickly. It seems to happen like overnight. It goes like suddenly. For first, they are like really poor, working in this banana uh, plantation, and suddenly they have these mansions and cars. And uh, also, it's very it's funny the way the football matches are shot uh, because you never see the game. It's just shots of the audience reacting to the game so it's funny how they made a, uh, a film about football you not see the football you, you see the people watching football <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's um, all kind of uh, in some ways it's a bit hard to believe uh, and maybe it's meant to be unbelievable because the kind of film it is uh, it doesn't seem to take too seriously itself and uh, basically it just plays for laughs uh, Despite the, the, uh, the this voice of the Argentinian narrator, the Argentinian guy is the is the guy who recruits the the football players, and uh, the football scout who is trying to maybe extract a bit of uh, some morals out of the story. It's worth to see it just uh, <laughs> just to see Gael Garcia Bernal singing badly in a hilarious music video scene. Oh, yeah. uh, this is really funny with a funny outfit as well and a good maybe for a hangover Sunday afternoon <laughs> but, but no more than that no more than that now uh, just a quick recommendation Tricycle Magazine issue 5 is out now and it looks gorgeous it includes interviews with independent filmmakers uh, film and video game reviews some inventive graphics and photo shoots and a showcase of the most exciting new talents in art, music, theatre, skating and some other cool stuff that makes Tricycle the ultimate urban culture lifestyle publication you can buy Tricycle magazine at tricycle.co.uk and also at facebook.com slash tricycle and get it delivered to your door for just the price of a pint of beer we also recommend you to visit our movie blog at uh, themoviewave.podbean.com where you can find our episode archive and also some snappy film reviews. You can also find the Movie Wave on Facebook. Join us and get regular updates on all the movie action. There is something for everyone. Dear Sully, uh, you've got a review on the Tricycle website, a review of uh, 127 hours. And uh, it has an illustration, uh, actually by Mike Gambriel, I must say, that shows James Franco trapped under a rock with yep. a company of Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. The, yeah. the illustration is it's absolutely brilliant. But now, I, 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 I haven't seen 127 hours. <laughs> but George, why is Scooby-Doo there? Um, well... Without giving too much away, not that it's particularly central to the plot, but all right, there, there is a relation uh, to, from uh, uh, Scooby Doo. There is a connection. Scooby Doo, 127 hours. It, it, it is kind of relevant. It's a bit of a passing reference, and okay. I was very intrigued to see the artist pick up on that and put it in the in the image. But effectively, when um, James Franco's character is trapped in the film, it, it, in the midst of his kind of delusion and um, and uh, panic. He's he's rapidly flashing back through um, his memories leading up to um, the moment where he got trapped. 
And uh, one of the things he'd seen on his journey uh, to um, to the place where he was going to go canyoneering, uh, he saw a guy in a Scooby-Doo costume uh, in the back of a car, if I remember correctly. Um, and the reason he was thinking of this is because he had bumped into two girls um, before he got trapped in this canyon um, who were also out exploring. And he remembers them going to a party and he reckoned that the guy in the Scooby-D costume would be going to the same party as well. And there's something about his his girlfriend. As well. To be honest, I can't really remember, but there's <laughs> there's definite a definite relevance there because he because he's on his own with nothing else to do. He's constantly going back through his memories and remembering little bits of of things because he's got literally nothing else to do and he's just um, trying to entertain himself. So he's constantly tortured by these little memories and trying to make sense of them. And I think there's a couple of dream sequences where the Scooby Doo costume pops up. Well, I, I, I knew I knew there had to be a reason because sometimes you, you see you get things in films that they are there for no reason. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll <laughs> we'll see lots of that when we discuss rubber. Exactly. Now let's have a wee break and we'll be back talking about absurd horror comedy rubber. You're just an old rubber tire, and you're too big for my bed. I'll get a white ball tire instead. I found you on a backwoods road. Dark and cloudy day I should have left you where you lay I rolled you over and picked you up And carried you away by mistake My mistake My mistake You looked so lonely, you looked so sad I gave you what I had, we both smiled for a while Just an old rubber tire And you're too big for my bed I'll get a white ball tire instead For you, the listeners of the Movie Wave, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. On this episode, I would like to personally recommend Peter Biskin's Easy Riders Raging Bulls. Listening to this audiobook, you will follow the wild ride that was Hollywood in the 70s, an ambassed celebration of sex, drugs and rock and roll, both on screen and off, and a climate where innovation and experimentation reign supreme. You can get Easy Riders, Racing Bulls, How the Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll Generation Saved Hollywood, or any other audiobook of your choice, free by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash themoviewave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash themoviewave for your free audiobook. Everybody! This is what our killer looks like. Tire. Yes. Is it black? We are back, and it's time now to talk about rubber. It's the story of an inanimate tire 
that has been abandoned in the desert and suddenly and inexplicably comes to life. What did you guys think of rubber? <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me laugh just thinking about it. If it just uh, makes you laugh thinking about it, it must be something good. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, it didn't go down too well at Cannes. Um, Not at and, all. And I've, I've read a couple of reviews that have just been a bit kind of... The tire was destroyed to pieces. Just, I don't know, but I, I, I thought it was wonderful i mean really really surreal really bizarre and there are a couple of cringe moments i think where it's clearly trying to be a bit too clever but yeah i honestly i i thought it, it, there's nothing else like it at all anywhere 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 and the things that it's doing just uh, i just thought it was well, the little touches lots of little touches that i thought were fantastic um i don't know what do you think susanna um, well, when you say that there's nothing like it, actually there is. Um, I think it was a take on uh, Luis Benuel. Um, and I, I, I mean, Benuel, when I first saw his stuff, you know, that that's what I thought. Oh, this is just so weird, so different and, and original. And because I'd seen Benuel before, uh, before I saw Rubber, Rubber doesn't seem so original to me <laughs> okay well no, what is what is this film then that you're well, we were talking about the filmmaker uh, uh. Luis Buñuel yeah uh. he was basically a s s master of surreal um, there is one film that you might want to see it's called The Phantom of Liberty Okay. It was, uh, it was, I think, seventy-four, nineteen seventy-four, and um, basically, it's just a, a bunch of non-connected, weird stories and shots, and um, it's just amusing, and it kind of drags you in because you want to figure out what's happening, and right. uh, if the, if it actually makes sense at all. It's it's surreal, very surreal. So so because I'd known about Luis Benuel before I saw Rubber, I I, I kind of knew, I thought maybe they were trying to it somehow could, emulate his style. It could or, be. It could be. It it, it, all, it also made me think of Luis Benuel. Uh, is the Spanish filmmaker uh, Luis Benuel made films in Spain but he also made films in France in Mexico in the United States and it, it's probably considered one of the most influential directors in the history of cinema uh, wow. his films yeah, I th they used to have plenty of disturbing and surreal images uh, yeah. Buñuel and uh, the painter Salvador Dalí, you, you probably are familiar Absolutely. with, were uh, close friends, and they, they they both kind of influenced each other in some way, and they both were kind of uh, surrealists, uh, or, or at least uh, surrealist artists. Uh, I think one of the most famous scenes from Luis Buñuel's films uh, is when a, um, a a family comes to visit another family. It's like a dinner party. We think it's a dinner party, but in the end, it turns out that they all sit in a circle in the living room on the toilets. All of them have, like, every single person has, has a toilet. And then they kind of sneak out into a tiny little room to eat there, um, you know, in the privacy of the room, which I'm is so surreal and so weird. But it's, I think, one of the most famous scenes. And, um what? Yeah, <laughs> there are lots of surreal, like surreal moments in the the, the films of Luis Buñuel. Lots mm. of them. Another name that came to my mind uh, while watching this film is David Lynch. Yeah, mm. he David Lynch himself is probably influenced by Luis Buñuel actually. 
uh, whole imagery and this whole uh, surrealism uh, uh, and the uh, whole kind of a, a onetic style. You feel like you are in a dream uh, where things uh, uh, turn up uh, in the film for, for, for apparent no reason. Uh, yeah, and then you, as the audience, probably try to rationalize what you're watching. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think there's a connection, definitely a connection there. Luis Buñuel, David Lynch, and the film proper. I think it's playing with this uh, surreal thing and with the with the absurd as well. Mm. Okay, well, to, to a naive film goer such as myself, I, I didn't make any any such connection. I just thought it was um, particularly unique, but clearly. Clearly, it isn't. Well, it is, it is unique in the context of the films that we see nowadays. You know, mm. uh, it's definitely uh, it's out of the ordinary. Mm. But uh, but I mean, if, if if you look back to past films, uh, you, you're gonna find some other films that we've seen that they are uh, in some way uh, they might have influenced the film, they might not. But that's right. uh, that's the connection at least I made, and uh, apparently Suzanne as well while watching the film. But every everyone's got a different experience while watching films, so it's it's all very subjective. Yeah. Absolutely, I mean, yeah, certainly there's going to be some inevitable influences. Uh, I, okay, so to to you two then, who seem to be a bit more up on what may have influenced this film, what other kind of films have had such a postmodern twist of having an audience within the film watching the action? I thought that was unlike anything I'd seen before. That, that's that's one of the things uh, I really like about the film. One of the things I don't like too much is like I think it explains too much. I would rather I was watching the film and I was thinking I would have made it that way. I would have made it this way. I would just uh, yeah. I, 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 I would be constantly disappointed because of the choices the director made. The director, by the way, is Quentin Dupier, or I don't yeah. know how to how to pronounce his name. He's also yeah. a, a record producer and a, uh, a, in, in France and also a successful techno musician. But he's made some other films. At, le at least he's made one more more uh, uh, feature film. But uh, yeah, uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> um, I was just talking about how interesting it was that there was an audience within the film. But like you said, yeah, it definitely they definitely were this kind of vehicle for explaining things that, for the most part, didn't need need to be explained. Yeah, uh, for example, the the fact that the film starts uh, with a guy telling you uh, what you're going to see now is a film. Here is the audience. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, I, I would rather just seeing people in the desert looking at something, but I, I just don't like too many explanations. It would be more exciting if they tell you a bit less, a little bit less. The jokes in the film, I like them, but I think they are too stretched. They go on for too long. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely, I definitely agree. Like yeah. well, uh, I think they, they, took, they took an idea for a B movie, you know, like a B slasher movie or something, yeah. and they tried to use the no reason bit to make it absurd, abs absurd and, and kind of try to and, and thus the deep but I think it failed I don't think it was deep at all um, and I think I would have enjoyed it more if they had just gone with B-movie all the way yeah, yeah 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 definitely I think its biggest fall was its falling failing was um, in trying too hard I think in aiming for depth it became very very shallow But as a well, failure, yeah. it's. I think it's a very interesting failure. Absolutely, I think it's an interesting film, whichever way you slice it. No, I mean an interesting failure. Like, I think mm. the film fails, but still very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think I think 
just uh, maybe they didn't kind of get that just because something is different or weird doesn't automatically mean that it's good, you know? I mean, good, you know, well done for trying. Um, 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 I mean, you know, it wasn't, it didn't look cheap or anything. It was innovative at moments, Mm. um, but it just kept reminding you that it's not real, which is pointless when a bloody tire kills people, you know? It's not real. Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's no real suspension of disbelief in any in any shape or form, really. I think uh, I think it's like divided in two fronts: the audiences and the industry. The industry talking about the mayors of Hollywood. Uh, yeah. I think the film mocks maybe film conventions in some way and uh, challenging the film conventions at the what we are used to when we watch films. Very early in the film, one of the characters when he starts a. Uh, saying things like uh, what you're going to watch now is a film he he takes you out of the film by just simply saying that that you are Mm. about to watch a film a movie this scene and uh, some uh, some other scenes uh, I think they take audience out of the film and in fact it takes the audience out of the theater and places them in the desert (laughs) (laughs) so I I, I find it interesting but uh, it, it just predisposes you to watch the film in a completely different way Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they're definitely trying some interesting things. I don't know whether whether it's, they'd really gone about them in the right it's, way. It's hard to tell what they're trying to say. I mean, yeah. uh, you you, I, you can have your interpretations. I mean, for me, it, I think it ridicules cinema audiences because uh, th- th- these audiences that need to be fed with this silly, meaningless entertainment. And there yeah. is a there is a scene in the film where audiences are fed. I don't know if it was a turkey. Was it, it was a turkey? turkey. Yeah. A turkey. And they, they eat it like starving zombies. Yeah. You know, they look like zombies. This is the audience that dictates the way Hollywood makes films. And yeah. in this sense, it also ridicules the mayors or, or the, the or how Hollywood makes silly entertainment to meet the demands of the, of the mass, you know. And it kind of praises as well more selected audiences. Uh, audience members who can think by themselves. Uh, he don't go for the for the easy bait and demand uh, uh, high concept films. They don't yeah. get poisons by this uh, nonsense. And uh, he, that's represented in one of the guys who doesn't take the the, the old guy in the wheelchair. Exactly, as the guy who doesn't take the he doesn't eat the turkey and doesn't get poisoned. Yeah. So it was, it was. I found I found that to be quite a heavy-handed kind of social commentary on on audiences and and the way that that we're consumers for particular types yeah. of cinema. I think I think the the, the premise is absurd. Yes. Uh, in, 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 the, in the beginning, it is surprises. It is very surprising how they managed to pull a narrative out of a tire. I like this start. Because all you see is a tire moving, and you can you understanding but, uh, what's happening. It scared me though. You're understanding. The beginning, it bloody is- scared me. Do you know why? Because the it was the tire rolling across a desert for about ten minutes. But there and is all a narrative. I was thinking was, is this what the whole film is going to be about? Uh. It's going to be a tire rolling because I've got better things to do. You couldn't. You really couldn't pull. Worried. You couldn't pull. Uh, a feature film with just this premise. I mean, I mean, or you could, but no, no, the whole. I mean, this start, this beginning of the film, it couldn't go on for too long because just, it, it would die saw, out. It would die out. I saw the trailer and I assumed it was a joke because <laughs> it was funny enough 
for the length of the trailer, which yeah, is maybe right. two minutes maximum, maybe a minute and a half. And I thought, hilarious concept for this short space of time in which I've seen a trailer, assuming it was a joke and isn't actually a real film, because I thought, surely you cannot stretch such a concept to, to a feature length. But nope, they did. Yeah, I think if it was yeah, definitely if it was a short film, it would be brilliant. I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking exactly. I think it was too stretched. It was stretched for too long. Oh, yeah, stretched thin, definitely. But the idea of uh, an object coming uh, to life and attacking people was already used in um, this John Carpenter film called uh, Christine, which is based on a Stephen King story. Uh, in in the uh, case of Christine, it's a car that attacks people. Oh, yeah. In this case, it's a Christine's actually right now. But I haven't read it yet. I'm a bit of a Stephen King fan. Well, yeah, when I saw the trailer, I just saw the first 10 seconds of the trailer and then I stopped. <laughs> and and I, I, I stopped because I didn't want to know anymore. I didn't, I didn't need to know anymore. I was sold. I wanted to watch this film. Uh, but then it's like, I was thinking, as you, as you George, thought, is it going to be the whole film like this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, was, it wasn't like that, but it, it was definitely interested, uh, interesting and very, very funny. And um, it made me think a, a lot. Of, it brought memories back to me, actually. All the whole thing about the absurd, and uh, while I was watching the film, my brain was like, blah, 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 blah. I'm bringing memories back. And in, in, uh, w- while watching it, it brought back memories of my student times when I was in high school. And I remember doing these e- exercises of automatic writing with the, the uh, yes, they, ca- yes, they well, call it the uh, Dadaism or something. And uh, mm. uh, part, part of this uh, thing was carried on, uh, or I was carrying this on in when I went to uni. Uh, and when I was in university, I used to spend the most boring lessons of uni, like uh, sociology and stuff like that, <laughs> <laughs> writing some absurd short stories. And in fact, I used to compete with uh, a couple of uh, my classmates to write the most absurd, silly stories that, uh, that we would share at the end of the boring lesson. Uh, and I say this because the, uh, this film is, it felt like the, the theater of the absurd. Uh, it's kind of like the, the stories I used to write when I was in uni. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I should have made this film. <laughs> someone was faster than me, and he made it instead. I just, I just had a thought. What? Because I was thinking about what you, what you said about how the masses are being poisoned with, with, with rubbish films, and yeah, yeah. Um, and I just had a thought because the 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 one guy decided not to eat the poison that the mass, yeah. uh, the mass. Um, kind of feeding thing, and but then in the end, he he. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers, spoilers. By the way, <laughs> too late. All right, um, we can we can get So I'm off. just thinking, was it also a, a way of of criticizing the, the the industry because we all know that the the film industry is really really rubbish because they try to kind of they do spew out all that pap all that rubbish which is for mass consumption and they know that it will sell and Mm. if somebody tries to make something different then and it's very difficult to do something original maybe they were trying to do something there I'm just trying to give it some props I don't trying is the operative word there (laughs) Are, so that there, was my thought. I don't know there, if I'm there right. Can, there can be plenty of interpretations, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it seems that uh, these tires are going to take over Hollywood. So watch out. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the closing comment, wasn't it? Really, of that yeah. film. 
definitely. <laughs> uh, okay, final words on uh, Robert uh, Susanna. You, do, would you recommend this film? Um, it is. Goodness. Thankfully, it's not two hours long. <laughs> it's yes. like 87 minutes or something. It is if short already, really, yeah. <laughs> if you really want to watch something totally absurd with no point whatsoever and um, something really, really different. If, I mean, if you've seen Benuel and you liked it, then you might enjoy this. But it is it is hard, hard to like this film, I think. Yes, I would I would definitely agree. It's it's not standard, not conventional by by any stretch. Um, I think <laughs> from the point of view of this podcast, it's great because we have plenty to talk about, or at least plenty to, to rip apart. Yeah. But yeah. as far as a typical film goes, this is this is not like that. So don't don't watch it expecting something <laughs> standard. But I I kind of I would recommend it just just because it is so different and and so unique. Well, I did like the killer tire. I think it uh, it, bec- it becomes uh, a bit tiring probably in the end <laughs> but, but still I can say that is the best killer tire film I ever seen <laughs> without I, that, <laughs> that with, with the others no I wouldn't say this film is genius uh, because it's not but no, I no. enjoy it as an oddity yes so uh, for me it was definitely fun it was fun well let's wrap up the show uh By the way, I would like to point out that I spent the whole show standing on one leg. Oh, no. You're probably wondering why. The answer is, for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it for episode four of the Movie Wave. Uh, thanks, George and Susanna, for joining the show. No trouble. I hope you guys uh, have a good Easter, celebrating the death and resurrection of the bunny that lays chocolate eggs. Yes. And you listeners, you can read both. George Hulis and Susanna Martin's film reviews on Tricycle Magazine and its glorious website at tricycle.co.uk where you can also get a copy of the magazine delivered to you whether you live in Cardiff, Auckland, San Sebastian, Toronto or anywhere in the world. Um, Rubber, uh, I mean Tricycle Magazine <laughs> is not responsible for the content of this program and all opinions and views expressed on the show are solely of the individuals. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be surfing the wave soon. This podcast is a production of Calvinet Entertainment for Tricycle Magazine. Find out more at tricycle.co.uk. That's T-R-I-S-I-C-K-L-E dot co dot UK. There's asphalt in between us that are gonna slow me down. My steel train to cut through the rain ain't nothing gonna stop me now. I'm on the highway forever. Well, I've reached my destination never.